0: Oh, good morning everybody. And uh, what has turned out to be uh, one of my favorite hours of the week is of course our clarino you know, on Fridays from ten thirty to eleven and then when we follow that up with Wall Street this week with Manny Frangidakis and Stamati Sastra, it's uh, well it's just a good radio hour for us all. So I'll defer to the experts Kalimera Manny, que Kalimera Stamati.
1: Kalimera, Kalimera. Kalimera Manny, let me uh, start. Um, today we had um, the news about retail sales uh, better than expected and that is uh, already reflected in the, in the market.
2: Yeah, better than expected but don't forget I mean the level that we're growing from is pretty much still at very all, all low levels so month over month we do expect retail sales to continue the more important number is how does it line up to 2019 in previous years. So as, as it was a beat, you know, it, it, it was a beat that was, uh it wasn't a uh, a hard hurdle to get over.
1: And uh, do you see that uh, the, the consumers are going out? Is it um, a question of, uh, uh, we still have unemployment high and uh, but people do not spend money on uh, on restaurants and travel, so they spend more money on on shopping. Is that part of it I
2: think so don 't forget you had uh, i mean it 's not going to be in the numbers yet, but you did have uh you know Amazon Prime day coming up in uh you know the works of e commerce and different deals that have been going around but if, from our perks we 're not seeing a huge amount of spending um The spending has been on the industrial and manufacturing side, and that's just supply lines trying to get back up and running. Um, In terms of retail and consumer sentiment, we still think it's pretty low.
1: People are still uh, worried about uh, the future. That's what you mean, right?
2: Yeah, I think that there's a lot of uncertainties. I talked to a business owner today that's a client of mine, and
1: he's been in business for
2: 30 years. And he's had a hard decision now where he's been – You know, very successful in his craft, and he's been able to have people that have been able to replicate his work, um, allowing him to enjoy more of a a quality of life. Um, And now he's at the crossroads of, hey, you know, if things don't really pick up and turn around in the next couple months, and there is no more government funding, he's going to probably have to let a good amount of his folks go and do the work again himself. It's the only way he's going to remain somewhat profitable. And that's just one example of a small business in Lowell, Massachusetts. So we have plenty of those stories going all around. So unless you were lucky enough to work for a massive company in the technology space that is a disruptor in many industries and that has a deep moat and has a, a virtual and online presence, companies that we've all spoken about in the past, outside of those, it's, it's been pretty bad. And you even looked at it at the bank earnings this week. I mean, We're heavily invested in the financials. And you had bank earnings uh, all week from J.P. Morgan to Wells Fargo to Goldman Sachs. Uh, You have a couple more coming out today. You know, the results were good. And even in those stories, it's a tale of two worlds. If you are on the consumer lending side, you are down significantly, like you saw with the reports of Wells Fargo and Bank of America. If you have the ability to do fixed income investing... And to be doing trading platforms, investment banking like Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley, you did pretty well, including J.P. Morgan. But the thing is, is if you looked at the loan loss provisions, they were pretty high. Um, And you're looking at massive deferrals uh, and mispayments on mortgages and credit cards. But, you know, the way that banks are now calculating the the, the loan loss deferrals changed with COVID. They allowed the banks to hold assets. For longer periods of time, without having to release loan loss revisions, making the numbers look better than they were.
1: Yeah, the banks are um, also that are thinking a longer term that uh, there could be problems with their loans. Uh, a lot of uh, commercial real estate, retail real estate, that uh, as we have seen, uh, stores are closing. Uh, those properties they generate no income, no cash flow, so. At yep. some point, people are waiting for the shoe to drop on the on the commercial real estate mortgage uh, market.
2: Yeah, and again, I think that a lot of that's going to have to be determined on what we're able to do. You know, I have I have no belief that we are able to pass any type of fiscal policy or government aid before the election, and probably not soon after the beginning of 2021. It's going to take a long time to get this done. What they're doing right now is just market rhetoric. They're saying, you know, the, the, the pull back and forth between Mnuchin and Pelosi and McConnell and Trump, this is all just market narrative. They're saying whatever they need to say to be able to stabilize markets and keep them afloat and high going into the election. None of them are actually going to come to the deal. I can tell you this much. Nancy Pelosi is not going to give Donald Trump the, the gift of signing a $2 trillion package on the road Garden right before the election. And the same thing with the Republicans. The Senate came out yesterday after Mnuchin said that they were this close and they're working on this and that. And, and McConnell completely debunked it and said, you know, the Senate is considering passing a $500 billion package for next week. But that's nowhere near the number that either side is really looking for. And again, those same core issues that we talked about last time are still on the table and haven't moved the needle on. So I think that... A lot of these companies and how they, you know, how they're able to do on the back end of this, including commercial real estate, including landlords, including everyone else is going to be depicted on what does that number really look like and how is that money going to be spent?
1: Uh, Is the stock market already looking uh, after the election? And um, as you said, the stimulus package in the next couple of uh, of months down the line, uh, are are they are we at a level that that's what the investors look like? They kind of have uh, blended in, they have priced in the election results and the stimulus that will happen next, uh, next year, probably?
2: Correct. Right now, the market is pricing in what we've been calling and what has been noted as the Biden bump, which really means that for the, for the last year, when presidential odds are really starting to come into front and center, it was always looked upon as a negative that the Democrats took the office. Because that meant that corporate, corporate tax rates and individual tax rates would undoubtedly rise. What the market is telling you right now is that because it's such a clear landslide in the polls and because we think the polls are going to be way different uh, than 2016. Actually, Teddy, I heard uh, Mr. Peliologos on Bloomberg uh, uh, Mass, and he was talking about how wrong the polls were in 2016. And it was really because these polling entities did not poll the, the biggest states that were in the crosshairs. So I think that we actually do have decently polled numbers right now. But what they're telling you is because it's such a clear landslide based off of what we're seeing is that there won't be a contested election. And that's a huge thing for the market. So they're believing that because the victory should, based off the polls, be clear and decisive, that there won't be a contested election, that things will move smoothly. And if the Democrats do get a blue wave, meaning that they take control of the presidency, the House and the Senate, they will be able to pass a much larger fiscal bill than what is currently being talked about. We're talking about two point true, but if they control all all, all powers of the government, that number could be three trillion. That number could be four trillion. We really don't know. So what the market is focusing on is that this could be a better outcome than the current president retaining power and having, you know, a mixed bag of who's controlling which power of the government, which, as we know, has led to pretty much nothing being done over the last 12 years.
1: What is the, what is the nightmare scenario for the markets uh, coming on November 3rd? A contested election with
2: no clear winner, with neither side uh, pulling back and uh, taking the loss. So what we know about President Trump, as much as he says he would accept the, the, the election results, we don't believe that's his personality. We believe even if he loses nine to nine, 99 to 1 that uh, he would still contest the election. So I think the worst-case scenario is a long, drawn-out election process where the Supreme Court gets involved, similar to 2000, where when that took place, the market dropped about 20% in a matter of a, a matter of three weeks while the Supreme Court was sorting out who the actual
0: winner was. Manny, if we can expand on that, where did it rebound a couple of weeks later after that? Did, did, did the dust settle? It rebounded. It rebounded. It rebounded.
2: It wasn't something that stayed low forever. Obviously, as we know, 2000 ended up, right. um, you know, we bounced off of the election. But was it a false signal? Absolutely. Because what we know true is that shortly after that, that's when we had the tech bubble burst.
0: Listen, you know we talk about a lot that's going on, Manny. Manny, let's let's do a one eighty on this, Antistamati, and let's, let's let's get something encouraging. What's encouraging about the current economy, or can we come up with something?
2: It's just the housing market. The housing market is the the hottest part of this economy. Um, you have the lowest lowest mortgage rate in history. Um, we keep getting lower lower mortgage rates and hitting records. Uh, refis are up year over year at an at an absurd pace, which is rightfully so and understood. So, I mean, that's literally, in terms of how it affects us normal people, that is the real bright spot. The other bright spot is industrial commercial real estate, which has been absolutely on a tear. It's up 17% year over year. Um, So things that have deep moats, that have need and structure, and that there isn't a plethora of. Um, And then the other side is your technology stock your technology companies that have built a great moat. I mean, your Amazon, your Walmart, your your companies of that magnitude, even Apple for that case, even though I'm not very bullish on Apple, um, they've had declining revenue since 2018. And I think that this new iPhone is just another sign of a saturated market. And the fact that they're pulling back different products and costing more money is just another way that they're trying to improve their service model. But, you know, those are the real beneficiaries. I mean, there's not too many other places that I can point out to that I would be, that I would say, that are doing really well. I mean, in the restaurant space itself, as we know, those restaurants that are able to cater towards curbside takeout uh, and delivery and takeout in general have done fairly well, especially in the suburban areas that have been um, very populated. Places like New York and the urban areas are obviously decimated still and will be for quite some time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think in every, you know, in every downside on the economy obviously this was a a very different downside with this pandemic Uh, and uh, it's very uh, the playbook was very different for the government it wasn't so much to put money into to increase demand because you did not want to increase demand you did not want people to go out and uh, and start spending money because you wanted people to stay home so it was it was very difficult and very different how the uh, financial uh, stimulus could, could work. So the money also that uh, has been spent uh, for the biotechs, for the vaccines, for the logistics, the, uh, the warp speed uh, operation that the government is doing, I also think that is going to have uh, some other long-term uh, benefits uh, and for these companies and, and in general that we are going to see uh, later on, I mean we're talking about uh, over ten billion dollars in um, in money that went to these uh, to these companies, the logistics systems everything so I think that will also be uh, be a benefit but it, it was it, it was a nightmare scenario it was a, the entire world uh, stopped uh, so you know we have to see and also you look at China where you know, you can argue that they are six months ahead of the rest of the world. You see their numbers, you see their economy, their uh, that is going, you know, getting back uh, to normal as, as, as much as it can someone expect.
2: Yeah. To that end, I agree with you 100 percent, Samati. This is something that wasn't ever uh, in the cards in the past. Every single recession, even though we had a recession and all by, all by the stock market, we have technically pulled out of it. This is the first recession that was caused by a non-financial matter. So it was a completely different crisis that we had to deal with compared to, set in, compared to the 1970s when we had stagflation and rising inflation, compared to the financial crisis of 08, and compared to the tech bubble of 2000. This is a much different problem. But in, but in re- actual reality, and this goes back to how we actually solved this issue, is that we actually use the same playbook from 2008. The only reason why the financial markets didn't crash and why companies were able to retain their employees was because we took out the same playbook that we used in 2008 and we pumped a shit ton of money into the system. Excuse my language. Um, and, that's, and that's exactly what occurred. So it's a problem that we use for financial issues, but this isn't a financial issue. This is a pandemic. So to your point, Samati, it really is going to kind of depend on what we can do with therapeutics and vaccines. Because no matter how much money we print, it's not going to get us back into our normal lives. What's going to change is our behavior and at least try to normalize until we get to that bridging point. And what we can do is hopefully be able to provide measures of stimulus that allow people to remain employed and that we don't have massive levels of unemployment that linger on for, for more than a sustainable period of time. Because at that point is that's when you lose your work, your labor force. That's when workers become go from skilled to unskilled, and getting them retrained and reintroduced to the labor force can be a massive issue. Mm-hmm.
0: Manny, very well done, very well prepared, and very well done for uh, this week's Wall Street. This week, Manny Frangidakis, Damati Sasta. Any closing comments, gentlemen? You know, there's always
2: I always just say this: as much as we try, to, we try to just be honest and. And, um, and upfront with the truth and being transparent with what's actually going out there compared to what you'll get on financial media. There is good things occurring, and there's always a bull market somewhere. And to, to Samati's point, it's the companies that are going to emerge out of this that are going to be massively successful. And what we're seeing right now are the companies that are able to address healthcare and medical needs from a mobile or virtual platform. Telehealth is one of them, virtual doctors is another one. Um, and these one-minute clinics are not going to go away, and they're going to be massively profitable in the future. So it's going to be organizations and industries that are born out of this that are probably going to set the stage for the next decade.
0: Great, great. It's Wall Street this week, ladies and gentlemen, with Manny Frangidakis. And uh, we pretty much uh, of late have been bringing it to you once a week. Also, Manny and I and one of his associates are going to uh, be getting together next week and discuss some additional options. So Gentlemen, um, be well, stay safe, have a terrific weekend, um, and thank you for joining us this morning. Wall Street. Nasteca Thank you, Stamati. Thank you, uh, Manny.
1: Thank you, gentlemen.